will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, you're getting a special double dose of the podcast. Uh, as we had promised last week, um, we were supposed to release Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, but we ran into a little scheduling snafu. Now, to be fair, I did blame Pat in uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh episode but i share a little bit of the blame because i wasn't feeling like recording that saturday so we both amended to sunday and uh the other person forgot that sunday was easter that happened (laughs) no but hey you're getting it a week later and we're just gonna go ahead and you know talk full spoilers now so you know it kind of works out in the end because uh, you know you've everybody's had about two weeks now to watch it uh, I've watched it twice now. So, uh, yeah, spoilers ahead, but we're going to be talking about Godzilla versus Kong. And, uh, Pat, I want to get your just brief general thoughts about the film. Just like not going into detail. Just how did you feel about the film? Uh, I feel like it was a pretty strong film as far as just a giant monster movie. Yeah. Goes, um, it, kind of touched on some things that didn't really make sense and then left some things kind of open but <laughs> i mean what i wasn't going in expecting a fully uh you know like you weren't a, expecting a, citizen kane a, of, of godzilla movies yeah i wasn't <laughs> expecting this story to be like super rich or anything yeah i i'm pretty much of the same opinion i think actually most people are are very much of the same opinion that it it, it's a good kaiju movie it's a good monster fighting monster um the one thing that and this bothers me because i've talked about this i think ad nauseum on the podcast and on twitter and and stuff like that and and general conversations with friends um 
the one thing I saw that a lot of people were harping on, and in fact, I was seeing this kind of, you know, bigger reviewer has their own website and stuff like that. Um, you know, people know their site fairly well. And I generally, I, I like the guy and I like most of his opinions, but this is the stance that I never like when you are looking at, um, even say like a Power Rangers movie, like the Power Rangers movie, uh, the Transformers movies, Pacific Rim, um, you know, the Go- Godzilla and uh, the Kong movies that preceded this, uh, that the human story was weak. But I'm sorry, if you're going in watching a big monkey fight a big lizard, are you really there to watch the human story? I mean, if you're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's and that was the argument that this guy was making was you should care about those human characters like those need to be strong, uh, strong, shore up in writing. But the, the thing that really is the point of the humans in the story is you can't have two hours of just constant big grand scale CGI monsters fighting each out, fighting each other. It would be so costly that uh, it just, why do you think when you go back to Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, you have just a huge stretch of period of the film that is devoted purely to Shia LaBeouf going crazy, and then you get the last like 40 minutes is all just Transformers fighting each other. It's because it's a budget issue. Um, So I never go into these type of things expecting a strong human story. The strongest one was probably in Godzilla, the the first one, uh, 2014 or thereabouts, uh, because that was the point of the film was they didn't want to show Godzilla for too much of the film. So they really had to focus hard on that. And then it shifted a little bit with uh, Kong Skull Island because a lot of people you know, were then complaining that, you know, Godzilla didn't show enough of the monster. So then they shift the focus in Kong Skull Island to focusing more on the monster. And then everyone complained that the human story sucked. And then you kind of hit a balance with uh, Godzilla King of Monsters with a fairly decent human story with some elements that didn't really work for me. But the monster action was really high scale. And this one, I think, attempts to do a, a decent job. I won't say it's perfect, uh, but it at least does enough to tie every kind of everything that's happening in the movie together. Uh, you know, you have Millie Bobby Brown's character from Godzilla. Uh, then you have some new characters introduced for Kong. Now, my um, and we talked a little bit about this uh, after watching the movie um, when it when it aired on HBO Max. Um, I personally felt like we probably needed another Kong movie before this. Um And I I say that because there's a lot of things that happen in this movie that are very Kong centric that uh, I don't think we get to spend enough time with and really explore what that means and what implications that has moving forward. Uh, So I feel like we should have had an interim Kong movie before this one. What do you think? I think it would have kind of tied it together a little bit better, but... Yeah, because I when I was rewatching it uh, last night, one of my kind of primary issues is, you know, there's all these things that have happened to Skull Island since the 70s uh, and Kong Skull Island that like we had no idea about this. Apparently, the island just being in a constant storm, wiping out the Isu tribe that lived on the island, them monarch building the base and basically, you know, only encapsulating a certain small portion of Skull Island so Kong can 
live in harmony. And then we've got the young deaf girl uh, and the scientists and everything. So like it, it just fast forwards and we, there's just a lot of undiscovered ground there. We also have uh, Alexander Scar- Skarsgård's character who has, um, you know, this kind of thing with the hollow earth theory and his brother having died in an accident, but we don't even get to really explore that. We only have some small moments and I'm like, this should have been kind of the interim movie for Kong before we got to this one. Um, so it just, I, I kind of wish that they had spaced it out a little bit more. Like I'm, I'm happy with what we got. I think Adam Wingard did a very, very good job directing this film. Uh, very much a comeback from, what I don't think is completely his fault, but the bad Blair Witch uh, reboot. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so um, I think one of the other things, and and pardon us for not going like in chronological order of the events in the film or anything like that. I mean, if you really want to know what happens, go watch the movie. Um, But now this is basically talking about our, our feelings and our opinions about the movie. Um, I feel like the bad guy, Apex um, Industries or whatever, uh, if you didn't know they were the bad guy at the very start of the movie, I think you would be blind. <laughs> very. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think Demian Bashir does a very good job being that kind of corporate bad guy, but also he's very one note. Um, he's too Bond villain-esque, and like, I... I in fact, I think Brian Tyree Henry's character has that even line. Like, I wanted to hear the end of that speech when he's given his his big monologue about why he's doing it. And I'm like, yeah, we probably should have a better understanding why Apex is doing what Apex is doing. I think another failure was we have another Sarazawa and it's assumed to be that it's um, uh, uh, Sarazawa's son from the other movies. Uh, but they don't do a good job even referencing that and uh, why the younger Sarazawa would be so intent on killing Godzilla. Now, if you had thrown scenes in there and explained that he blames obviously Godzilla for Sarazawa's death in the previous movie. Okay. Then I can maybe feel more like I understand his motivations, but uh, I feel like that was a pretty underdeveloped villain. Uh, Thoughts? No, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, yeah, I've, I have a lot of thoughts, especially having watched this twice. Um, and you know, just kind of the things that really, uh, irked me about the movie. I just, um, it wasn't enough to really overly detract my feelings about the film. I still enjoyed it. I think it's a very fun popcorn film. Um, and the correct, uh, monster wins in my opinion. Oh, of course. <laughs> See, I, I think from the beginning, there was like some very minor plot holes. Cause like, I think once he kind of, once Kong kind of like punctured his containment thing, that should have like pretty much made him visible. At well, that but I don't think it actually punctured through to the outside. Like it was just into the control room area. So, yeah. I mean, so you I think, yeah, like, you, but even the entire facility was keeping him. Well, that and I, I think also just his isolation on Skull Island. It was enough that like Godzilla is not going to be worried about it because he is a monkey and 
Uh, you know, it's not like he was going to just actively, and plus he's also isolated in the middle of the ocean, so there's no real landfall he can make. And it's once he's traveling, uh, that's why they're so concerned, because now he can prove more of a threat. And as we see later on in the film, in the second matchup, uh, Kong has more of an advantage on ground. Uh, so I think like the whole Hong Kong battle, I, I, that's what I really liked about this film. First off is they do enough to appease both sides of the arguments as you, you and I both have a, a guy we like to watch who is big Hong Kong and, uh, was getting quite angry with everyone in his chat on his YouTube streams saying team Godzilla and monkey would lose. Um, at least has his own moments of appeasement because they have that first round basically goes to Godzilla second round goes to Kong, but then the third round is the definitive who is, you know, the alpha, the apex predator. Um, so I, I really like that. They at least gave it to the fans. Like, you know, fans of Godzilla would be very happy. Fans of Kong will be for the most part happy. They might not be happy with the final outcome, but I also have to say this Kong cheats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, yeah, and this is the kind of now getting to a little bit about what I felt like should have been fitting into also a second Kong movie was the whole Hollow Earth stuff, because it's a very fascinating concept and it's a very fascinating part of the film. But we don't spend enough time there. We don't understand everything. And as far as I know, Warner Brothers has no uh, actual plans or legendary pictures, whoever is the studio in charge. Um, doesn't really have any other further plans for any more MonsterVerse movies. Um, I think that they were massively disappointed in Godzilla King of Monsters, even though from a fan perspective and versus the critical ratings and the fan uh, ratings was not accepted by critics, but was loved by fans. Um, And I, as a fan, really loved it, too. So I, since they had already promised a Godzilla vs. Kong movie, it was like, well, we have to do this. Um, so we're just going to do this, and then we might just stop doing it because we're not seeing the success that we thought we were going to see. But I think this film has done enough to hopefully uh, change those per- perceptions. I just don't know what they would do beyond this. Right. I, I don't think, I think you had, have to have Kong and Godzilla go off on their own separate ways. Um, you know, with Kong having hollow earth now to explore, you could tell whatever stories you need to tell there. Another problem I have a little bit, and this isn't, uh, endemic to just, um, to just Kong, but this is with like, uh, you know, journey to the center of the earth and everything like that. Anything that does, um, kind of hollow earth theory, uh, films is where does the light come from? You know, like I, I, I never, I know it's a fantasy film and stuff like that, but it really bothers me how that there's like a sun. Well, I mean, you could probably argue it's the core of the earth, but like it, it, it just doesn't, you have to explain it to me. Like, it's just one thing that really takes me out of the, uh, the, the movie a little bit. It's just like, okay, I, I love this whole hollow earth stuff, but how does it have a sun? How does it have like an atmosphere, you know, and stuff like that. But, uh, I can kind of overlook some of that. See, like, I feel like that would be the only thing that they could explore more Yeah, is like a Kong movie and hollow earth. But 
what would it be? Well, I I uh, I would say it would have to explore what happened to his species. Um, cause I mean, we get a little bit of that in Kong Skull Island, or maybe like a prequel even. Yeah. Or we can get a prequel. Um, but like it, 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 I mean, you have Monarch there and there's all these vast different creatures. And I think that that was a really cool showcase that they were able to do. Even at that point, like the budget for that would have to be through the roof if you're going to do a prequel and it, cause like, yeah. You're not going to have, like, a whole bunch of human elements well, unless you, there's, like, humans in Hollow Earth somehow. Well, but if you <laughs> if you uh, go back to, like, the opening credits, the, you know, they do kind of flash at some stuff uh, about people trying to explore Hollow Earth. Now, how they would get down there, considering how they set it up for this film, that would complicate it because they would need advanced technology to go through that whole gravitational shift. But you could maybe have something like a journey to the center of the Earth type film prequel uh or you just advance it and maybe you explain maybe there are some more kongs out there um and we just didn't have an see that's my problem with this whole kind of intermission in the film is you introduce this really cool idea and this really cool concept but we can't spend too much time down there because we've got to get him back up and Mm -hmm. have the final showdown um one other note I did uh, want to point out because I didn't catch it in my first watching, um, but since I mentioned the credits, I, I really liked I caught it the second time, is they have a bit of uh, John Goodman's lines from Kong Skull Island in the opening credits when they're having kind of people jibble jarble some stuff about Hollow Earth. So I thought that that was a kind of cool nod to that uh, that existing film. Um, but yeah, I, I did also like the concept of Kong communicating um, with the death girl who I really, I really liked her. Like I, they, you know, they really kind of brush over, Oh, her parents were killed. The, the scientists kind of adopted her and then they've just been blah, 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 blah. But now I did she communicates with monkey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that was a really cool um, concept that I don't think we really got to see with any other Kong film. Um, so like, we're actually, seeing Kong communicate and have more thought than just being a beast out there. Like we get, you know, we kind of have that idea with Godzilla too, but it humanizes them to an extent where it's like, okay, the, he can actually communicate with humans. So it's not like just old Kong film where he's like, I want woman. And then I bash everything in New York on the empire state building. Um, so I thought that that was a really cool concept. And visually this film I think is, is very, uh, very fantastic. I, I really liked it. I did like the kind of cyberpunk fight in Hong Kong. <laughs> I mean, you even awesome. have a you even have a synthwave track going on there too. So it's like okay, but the lights and everything and and that whole fight is, is just amazing. Now I do kind of my my major problem, and I think you and I kind of disagree, but also agree at the same point. Uh, I don't exactly like Mechagodzilla in this. Um, mainly the look. I, I was not a huge fan. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I'm going off the old like Showa and Toa uh, eras of Godzilla, where you know it's a person in a suit, so it has to be pretty much solid. But like, I like kind of that look and this it's kind of the problems I had with uh, cyborgs look in justice league is kind of just too jagged or too uh, loose. It's, it's one of my criticisms of the transformers and the transformers movies is they're too, too much moving jagged uh, 
pieces, you know? I think it was kind of like the angles that they were using. Some of them... Yeah, some of the angles were good. Were really good, and some were kind of off. Yeah. Um, I did like that they kind of brushed over all the, like, science of, like, how he's linking and right. all that. Because, like, when you start getting too much into it, it's like, no one fucking cares. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and, and to be fair, like, you know, that's what Brian uh, Tyree Henry's character is. Like, he's... Because he's that kind of Alex Jones of the of the Godzilla world a little bit. Uh, he's, you know, going, well, Ghidorah was able to communicate telepathically. There's a neural link, blah, 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 blah. The one thing I don't think that they do a good enough job establishing, even though I have to give them some credit for it, too, is that part of Ghidorah is still alive mm-hmm. and uh, is just kind of like Chucky. You know, when Chucky's trying to make sure to everyone else he looks like a doll. And so Andy looks like he's crazy. Um, And then once it gets the power source, that's an issue I have, too, is somehow they're like able to 3D print the radiation. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, we could download and copy it and we can recreate it, even though we have none of these means. It's like, okay, you're going like if you had that sample that the bot took. okay. Like you might only need that little bit to power up that machine for that amount of time, but to analyze the signature, which you probably could have done through satellites anyways, because you knew that there was energy signatures down there. It's like, okay, you're, you're losing me a little bit, but uh, that being the one thing that Ghidorah um, is waiting for basically. And then Sarazawa has his fate, which is, pretty pathetic in my opinion the uh the scene where like the daughter of the guy that runs the company mm, oh yeah like where they're like oh we're gonna take this back and they're like you can't do that <laughs> and then like just the death scene for all of them was... yeah it was it was pretty like it, it was earned but at the same time it's like i did I didn't, ex- I didn't expect it i was like <laughs> Well, I knew like once they fired on Kong and then they're like, okay, now we can sneak around him. I'm like, he's a monkey with a very long arm, you know, reach. It's like, you're, you're not going to get away from him that easily. Uh, and then like the no, 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 no. while from the outside uh, and then he just crushes it. So like, okay. And then I'm like, so how's Damien Bashir's character going to deal with the fact that he sent his daughter, daughter to her death but then he doesn't even get to finish his monologue before Mecha Godzilla takes him out. Yeah. And I think one of my other problems with the design for Mecha Godzilla was I didn't like the claws um, because it just reminds me of the claw machine from, you know, the arcades and stuff. It, it didn't feel like, you know, Godzilla's hands. It didn't look like Godzilla's claws. Um, He's supposed to be better. Well, pff, that doesn't make it better, in my opinion. Uh, you only have three versus whatever Godzilla has. Uh, they're metal. Oh, yeah. Well, Godzilla's destroyed metal before. It's not adamantium. Yeah. <laughs> but and then, yeah, some of the angles where it was showing the face like I didn't like. But then in other scenes, it looked better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it just I wasn't a huge fan of that design. Um, but of course, everyone pretty much knew that Godzilla and Kong were going to have to join up uh, and fight whatever was causing this. Uh, So I I also kind of want to point out a note that um, I don't know if anyone else caught this or, or noticed this, but um, why Godzilla would be drawn to these areas where apex is setting up and doing their testing and stuff. Um, When we see the eye at the very beginning of the film, 
it's emitting kind of the uh, alpha wave signatures that they kind of dealt with in Godzilla King of Monsters. And so I'm thinking that's what like was the beacon to Godzilla to be like, okay, I'm coming after this. Like they're doing something. If it matched Ghidorah's signature, it's mm-hmm. like he knows Ghidorah is still alive. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are just a lot of really cool moments in this film. Uh, just minor issues. Like I know you mentioned it to me, uh, the stopping basically Mecha Godzilla by pouring coffee or liquor, uh, in the board. And I wouldn't even think, so if you're, if you're an intelligent mind that is taking over a cybernetic body, that's, you know, was at one point being controlled by satellite and by this pilot, how would disabling the satellite basically disable you when, when you have basically almost complete autonomous control over the machine, like uh, that, those are the weak points, you Mm -hmm. know, those things that they don't fully well explain that. And like, basically the humans being dumb at the first, for the first fight. Yeah. Like (laughs) that, that type of shit just kind of bugs me because it's like, Oh, you're just going to let Godzilla come and kill everyone. Basically. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. you're gonna leave him chained up let him flip the boat right right but i but i also think like that was to prove almost a point because um lind who's alexander skarsgård's character is the one who says no we're not going to unleash him we'll lose him but then once the boat turns like he's the one that lets him go so i it might have been it was stupid but it might have been something to a point to that um but yeah, you know, if the humans weren't involved in that fight, monkey die. Like, you know? But it's like, I feel like it's one of those things where they, they're like, how do we cause this to be a conflict? They're right. Like, well, the humans are. <laughs> well, and, and that's the other thing, too, is like they didn't provide a an adequate explanation for how Godzilla just showed up there. Like like the, how Godzilla knew that's where Kong was at at the moment. Um, because like they even say, well, we stayed away from all your flagged areas, his path of travel. Well, how does he know? And they're just like, oh, he just knows. It's like, I, I get it, but it's not like Kong's been out there beating his chest or sending off those alpha waves or whatever. Uh, it, it was just like a, a matter of convenience. Like, okay, we need to have them have their first conflict. Uh, you know, the rest of it makes more sense throughout the rest of the film, but it, it just, yeah, the and again, the humans are are meant to be the weak part of the story because they're not really the focus. And and I will say that's been the problem with these movies is kind of the lack of connectivity. Um, you know, we don't ever see the Brody family ever again after Godzilla. Um, Godzilla, King of Monsters, we do get the introduction of Millie Bobby Brown's character, her mom, her dad, and that's carried on in this film. So that's the most connective that it's felt. Uh, but like characters from Kong Skull Island, granted, it takes place in the 70s are never heard of again. Um, my cousin and I were talking about how it would have been cool that Charles Dance's character in Godzilla King of Monsters would have been an older Tom Hiddleston character. But that has no interconnectedness. Uh, they just they're two completely different people. Uh, so it that's the problem when you want to set up a universe like this, and I want them to continue this because I do really enjoy it. And, and uh, in fact, I'm going to be going back and watching my Toa collection here before too long. Um, that, uh, you know, it, it just, 
it needs to feel like that connected world. It's something we've criticized a little bit about the uh, Disney Plus shows for the MCU is although like WandaVision probably feels the most connected Falcon and Winter Soldier feels a little disconnected, uh, which we might be proven wrong by the finale. But uh, outside of like them making slight references to other things, they are pretty much self-contained stories. And um, that's fine to do with these you know, monster verse movies, but you need to have some elements that transition between each film or, or show that connectiveness. And that's why I feel like we probably needed a Kong movie. That was more, um, you wouldn't have needed to set it like at the same time as Godzilla, but maybe set it in the nineties or something like that. Um, I know a lot of people have missed the whole fact, uh, cause a lot of people were complaining from the trailers that, uh, God's or Kong was taller than what he was in Kong Skull Island. But John C. Riley's character in Skull Island says he ain't done growing yet. He's still basically like a baby. So I would have loved to have that kind of interim film that would have shown us that he had grown more conflict, maybe introduced that hollow earth theory a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think another weak point of this film was like, the conspiracy theory guy yeah. is like working for the company and like recording everything and, and has no all the sort of oper like opsec or anything yeah. going yeah. on in that facility. And he's just able to go pretty much wherever. The fuck he, he has wants. like the, you know, everything to like hack and download data from them and everything. And like, just a good enough security clearance and stuff yeah, and like that. No one said shit. No, no. In fact, actually the one people that actually say, Hey, where's your pass? And then he starts like, Oh, you were worried about my pass, but we should be evacuating. They get killed by Godzilla's atomic breath. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I liked his character. Um, and I like Brian Tyree, Tyree Henry a lot. Um, from back in, you know, when I was watching Atlanta, that was my first introduction to him. And I think he's gone on to have actually a pretty good career, um, I don't know what his career was prior to Atlanta, but uh, I, I'm seeing him in more projects and I'm liking him in about everything I see. Uh, but also like just his ease of, you know, uh, Millie Bobby Brown and Julian Dennison coming and being like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, oh, I totally agree. And then, OK, now we're going to break into this facility. That's the one kid that was in uh... Deadpool, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also in uh, Christmas Chronicles, too, as well. He played, I believe, Belschnickel. He played Belschnickel. Um, I haven't seen all of that one yet, but I, I, I do need to go back into it. And he's starting to have more of a budding career. He's he's kind of becoming the Jonah Hill of this era right now, um, just being more comedic and stuff like that. So, hey, all, all power to him. And I mean, for the like human characters, they all have good actors. They're all putting 110 percent into their roles. It's just maybe some deficiencies in the writing and the yeah, plot. You, you can only do so much with what you're given. Right. Um and in a movie like this, you're not going to be given much. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's kind of, again, like that's a little bit of the point. Like your focus is to watch a big giant monkey fight a big giant lizard. So, uh, you know, again, putting too much emphasis on, we need to have these detailed, complex stories of these human characters. And they're going to fill out this, you know, 40, 50 minutes of the plot and the rest of it's going to be giant fights. It's like, that's not realistic to have. The other part was when they were talking about, like, the power of, like, the ship at the beginning. And, oh, yeah. And it's like, 
that's gonna come in use later. I don't know what for. Well, and I, I I'm wondering. Um, I don't know if you caught this, and I, maybe I'm just assuming that most audiences are not intelligent, which is not a good assumption to have. But I've not seen anyone kind of point out that the axe is uh, a a Godzilla fin, like it's a dorsal fin um, from his you know his back, like the whole. It is actually part because even when he puts the axe into that um, into that placeholder, it's basically like a fossil line of a dead Godzilla, you know. Uh, so I don't know if you caught that. I didn't. I, uh, I thought that that was really cool because like that's the power. Like they want basically Godzilla's atomic power, um, but they can't harvest it directly from Godzilla because Godzilla's going to kick your ass and just eat you probably. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was, again, like it's, it's these concepts that they introduced and I'm like, okay, I, I want to explore this more. So I really hope Warner brothers doesn't just like, yeah, no, we're done. We gave you, they gave you a monkey and a lizard. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Uh, cause at that point, then Toho limited is going to probably come out and start making their own Godzilla movies again. And Shin Godzilla is an okay film, but it, it's, it wasn't really my cup of tea. Maybe I need to rewatch it, but, um, you know, it's certainly nothing from, you know, the Showa or, or Toa eras uh, of Godzilla. So but this this has been good, like compared to even though and I might get hate for this, but I actually kind of like the 98 Godzilla film. Now, granted, I was like 10. So <laughs> um, I, I haven't fully rewatched it yet today, but I, I still like parts of it. I don't necessarily like the whole idea that it's in a, you know, an irradiated iguana, but, but I, I liked it, but then, you know, it didn't do well and it wasn't great, but then you get 2014's Godzilla and it's Godzilla. Like it, it is the ancient creature, it, even though, it, and it still has those kind of, you know, the uh, World War II warnings about radiation and stuff like that but it's gone on that grander scale and grander myth. And they've introduced Rodan and Mothra that like, you've already introduced a lot of these cast of characters and, you know, have a Rodan and Kong thing go on or something like that. You know, there, there's a lot more you can explore here. And I think fans have spoken that they want to see more. I mean, this has been a very, in the time of the pandemic, this has been one that's broken box office records that like wonder woman 84 couldn't do. Uh, not even, um, what are some of the other recent releases? Not Tom or Jerry didn't do it. Um, so it, it's, it's one of those ones where like it was critically liked and it was definitely liked by fans. So at the very least, I think that they could, t- uh, continue with the animated oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe explore stuff that way. If they're not going to put the money into a big box office, hit, right? like, it's they're they're nice right and you could do a little bit more as far as like animation well and and all that you bring up animation and that's kind of funny because you know just bringing up godzilla like 98 was people really didn't like that movie but then they did a animated show that ran i don't know if it ran one or two seasons but it was on you know back when wb was wb 64 star 64 uh what that was really liked like everyone really liked that because i think they went kind of back to like they kept some of that internal logic from that film 
but then they went to kind of still back to the well of these other monsters and stuff like that. And Godzilla being a protector. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just like, it would be kind of stupid not to, it's much like, uh, it would be stupid for Warner brothers to ignore restore the Snyderverse. Cause I mean, the, the people I've seen kind of, even people that were not Snyder fans who then t- changed their opinion about the Snyder cut once they watched it are wanting to see his vision. And I'm like, I've said this in some of the, I think other past episodes with Leslie, uh, I think their moves of canceling the trench spinoff film for Aquaman and the new gods film uh, from um, Ava DuVernay is them reconsidering what they might do. Um, and you've got the flashpoint movie in there. So even if Zach can get, you know, if it doesn't take him like seven years to do justice league two or justice league three, uh, you can have everything fixed by Flashpoint or readjusted for Flashpoint, however you want it to be. And it doesn't mean that none of these other DC movies like Shazam, Shazam doesn't need to take the tone of a Justice League or anything like that. It was fine in its tone and still told a good DC story that it's like you would be kind of stupid right now. You've got a lot of fan movement, fan petition, HBO Max subscription skyrocketed from it. I think that it's even skyrocketed from this film that it's like you'd be kind of stupid not to. I I know that Twitter is not the the best judge of character any, anything, <laughs> but like just how long that trended yeah. on Twitter was insane. It was like a week or two that it was still in like the top ten. Well, even like just the release of the Snyder Cut, yeah. Periodically between the point of him and saying that it existed and the point of it getting released it would retrend every so often. And I think that, you know, even I still see it today where people are restore Snyderverse, restore Snyderverse. If, heck, I'm even seeing it on Facebook, like, you know, and a lot of people making memes like, you know, we'll, we'll convince them in the old ways and using hashtags. Bullion. Yeah. Well, no, into doing it. no one advocates that because there is that part of the Snyder fan base that like everyone wants to say that all of the Snyder cut people were the crazy people which isn't See? true, <laughs> but like, that's the problem is each, each kind of fan mo- movement is brought down. And this is not to get like political, but this is of any movement. The, even if your movement has a good message, it brought gets down tw- by the small, it gets brought. Yeah. By the militant people, people, the people who are being the idiots that are going, yes, violence, let's, let's go raid stores or let's go raid the Capitol. You know, you have a good, you have a good, message that let's you're burned down Warner brothers. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Let's just do that. In let's, Minecraft. <laughs> in Minecraft. Um, you know, so like, that's, that's where I'm just like, don't, don't just dismiss it. Like fans will pay for these things. I think that that's something yeah. that these companies are, are starting to kind of understand, um, is when you're not talking down to them and you're not churning out trash, like fans will support you. And when fans speak out, all they want is their voices heard. And if you listen to them and you listen to what they're saying, you go, okay, we'll give it a shot. They will contribute to it and they will give you the goodwill. I mean, I, that's the only explanation I can have for HBO max skyrocketing. And this is why I think, because this also is on the news of they're going back to theater exclusive in 2022. I think that that's a bad idea because I mean, well, and I'm not even talking about pandemic wise. I'm talking about 
it's going to hurt their streaming service. Because I think that that's a way you're going to get people to pay for your streaming service or ones who don't particularly want to go out to the theater. So I could see them doing it pretty much the reverse of how they're doing it now, where okay. it's like 30 days in theaters and then... And that's, you know, and that's not bad either. Um, and then shift it over to the streaming yeah, for, for maybe another month, another 30 days, and then you start working yeah, on your home release. Because... Back in the day, like, it was theater release, God knows how long until the DVD release. Or, now it's, it's like, so it would it, be. It used to be, like, months. It, even years. It, it was, uh, I, I remember just being a kid, movie would come out, it'd be in theaters for maybe two, three months. Then it would maybe be another six months before you actually got it released on home media. Then within about the past five to ten years, it kind of came out to be, it's in the theater for about a month, maybe month and a half, I unless think... you're like Insidious that ran for like four months uh, because of its popularity. Uh, then it was basically three months and bam, you're I out. I think once it switched over to Blu-ray, that that's yeah, pretty much when that transition happened. I'd agree with that. And they realized like how quickly they could turn a profit with it's like double out. dipping. Yeah, it's you know? pretty much because they know that people will go s still see it in theaters because they want the atmosphere of seeing it in theaters because not everyone had 70 inch TVs at that point in or time. Dolby so, Atmos sound yeah, bars. Yeah, like the technology shift for everything at home is encouraging people to watch at home more than in theaters because they can get a similar atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Without, I, without a degrading quality. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. That's why it's like, for me, you know, and there was a period of time, it wasn't until Cinemark started doing their um, movie member thing, which was like eight bucks a month, you'd get free tickets and like discounted concessions, which I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to start going back to the movie theater. But there, I would go year, almost a year or two without seeing eight, even movies I wanted to see. Just be like, yeah, just wait till it comes out, you know, and, and, you know, if you're if you're someone like me who's big on the comic book movie stuff, it's like, yeah, I'll go pay to see it in theaters like three or four times. But then as soon as it's releasing or as soon as I hear a release date, I'm pre-ordering it because like I want to rewatch it over and over again. So it is a little bit. And I'm not saying double dipping in like a negative perspective either. It's it's just like that's you will have people that will do that. It's going to be interesting seeing how theaters will recover from this. Yeah. And if they're going to make some some big changes to try to draw people back in, like, well, I, honestly, I think if they lowered concession prices, stuff like that. Well, having worked in a movie theater, lowering concession prices will do them no good because concessions is really what a theater makes their money off of. Um, ticket sales they only get a small percentage uh, of the ticket sales. That all goes to the studios. See, I, I still think, like, while that, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. like, the consumers don't care. No, they don't care. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, why am I paying... 20 bucks for, for, for a, a drink. A drink and a small popcorn. Right. Like... Well, and that's why, like, a benefit of that, that movie club program was that, like, you would get, you know to no, not not to like five percent off your your concessions and it's like okay that's a benefit to me like i'm not paying as much for my concessions and they're still getting a kick because i'm paying an eight dollar a month 
uh, service fee, basically. So it, it's, yeah, it's something like that. I think what you will end up seeing more, though, is the return of, of drive-in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's going to make uh, social distancing and almost like privatized viewings uh, far more accessible. Um, and, you know, I think drive-ins having kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Now, there are still some out there, obviously, but they're they're like the nearest one for us is like a 40 minute drive. So it's it's like I'm not going to drive 40 minutes to go to and drive in. The biggest part about that is having the space to do one. Yeah, the space to do one, uh, you know, fairly decent speakers. If you're if you're, you know, the cars aren't going to hook up to the speaker system, then they have to have the radio dial thing. Uh, so there, I mean, there's, there's other factors into it, but I would love to see the return, uh, of, uh, of drive-in theaters. I would like to start going back to some, um, I think the, honestly, the last one I went to was Independence Day. So the first one, not, not the, not the really crappy, uh, sequel, even though I kind of like the sequel, but not a whole lot. It's got issues. Uh, partly it just, they, it took them too long to do it and they rushed too much story. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, we've kind of derailed a little bit from Kong, uh, you know, our Godzilla vs. Kong. And I will say this, if you're not happy that Godzilla is the winner of this film, go watch King Kong versus Godzilla. You will have the spoiler for that film. You will have the inverse. And even in that one, monkey cheats. So <laughs> he's a he's cheater. It's just a cheater. But uh, so let's come down to our scores. Uh, Pat, what's your score? Probably like a solid three out Five, three, okay, I'm three, I'm three and a half. I'm I'm like I'm, I'm better than three and a half. But it's like it's a it's a monster movie. Yeah, like I, I watch it to watch monsters fight, and that's what I got. So. Right. I mean, even even on my second rewatch, because like the first watch I had, I was kind of working during the time, so I was missing some things here and there. Um, but like I knew when I was watching it the second time, I'm like, okay, this is a part I can go upstairs and go grab some food. You know, oh, <laughs> so the people are talking again. <laughs> Let me go grab some popcorn. That's right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm about a three and a half, uh, maybe a four. Um, they're just like, like I said, I think Mechagodzilla maybe, maybe they rushed the design a little bit, or they just didn't think it through uh, fully. But they Sonic'd it. They, well, no, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> Sonic was far worse. And There's again, a joke. you want to you want to talk about you know studios listening to fans. Look what they did with Sonic. They all that after that terrible reaction. I still haven't watched it. Oh, you need to. You it, it's good. It, it is. I think had they gone with that original design, it would have really hurt the film. But them redoing that design uh really elevated it and also i think that earned my money that earned my ticket uh admission that earned my buying it on physical because they took the time they delayed the film a couple months and they redesigned it based on the fan reception and it, and it worked it worked and i that's that's what i'm saying like these studios really need to take that into into consideration like if you want these people to go and pay for it, you listen to them. like you don't have to listen that, to every crazy demand. That was the internet bullying them to do it. Like, <laughs> it pretty much was. But at the same time, like a lot of people were just like, "Hey, uh, this looks like shit. yeah, like, yeah." Well, uh, some people shit post, and then others are just like, "Hey, this looks really weird." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, That's not Sonic. No one wanted a Sonic to look. And it didn't it didn't Real. make sense. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing, too, is like you're doing it CGI already. Why are you not just 
using his character model from yeah. the video games. Like it just doesn't, it just didn't make any logical sense. And then you have the studio go, yeah, Hey, we're listening to you. Sorry. The film's going to come out in February now instead of November, but we're doing the work to get that fixed. And everyone went out and saw that film. It broke records. Me. Well, you, but I took my nephew to see it and, and he really liked it. Um, That's and I, I did too. Like not, a big fan of Jim Carrey in it. Cause it's Jim Carrey being nineties, Jim Carrey in a, you know, 2010s film and it's not quite working. Um, but you know, what, whatever that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, that's our scores for it. Um, I think that that will do it for our special episode this week. We're pulling double duty here for you guys, uh, at least through the time of, um, the Falcon and winter soldier film. Uh, so as always, uh, if you are not following us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at critics NT cynics, follow us on Facebook at the critics, not cynics podcast. Uh, you know, leave us rates and reviews wherever you listen to us on any service, such as iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, audible, uh, Amazon music, Google play pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, we really appreciate our listeners and everyone who has, you know, been fans of the show and listening. So, uh, as always too, you can write into the podcast at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. Uh, I know Leslie will be super happy if anyone works on the gif for the Zemo thing, uh, in our Falcon and winter soldier episode. And again, apologies for getting this one out a little bit later than it's intended, but hey, that allowed us to talk full spoilers and uh, not focus too much on story and just talk about what we really enjoyed about the film. So we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>